folks that would like to come and sit up towards the front here. That is totally cool because, you know, it's nice being close up closer to the storyteller if you want to come sit up here. If you don't want to, that's fine. You can stay at your seat. Either way, you can make your way up here at any time if you want to. And I don't know, if you're a big person, you want to sit up front as well. That's, that's fine also. Um, sweet. Got some takers. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. How many of you have ever been excited about a trip that you took? Like you were, there was a, a trip that was coming up. Sweet. I, that's, I've been excited about trips too. I usually get most excited the night before I'm going skiing at some point. Like it's like some people get super excited before they're going to Disneyland. They can't sleep at all the night before. They know they're going to Disneyland the next morning. And it's so, so, so very hard to, uh, to get to sleep. All right. Another question, who has been to a parade before? Have any of you been to a parade before? Raise your hand if you've been to a parade. Cool. How many of you have been to like a parade here in Lincoln, like either Christmas, Fourth of July, something like that? Cool. Okay, has anybody ever been to like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? You've ever, anybody ever had a chance to go to that? I've heard that's an awesome, awesome parade to go to. I have had the opportunity two times now in my life to go to the Rose Parade in Pasadena. And that is like one of the mother of all parades here in America. It is crazy. If you've never been to the Rose Parade, it's like a four-mile-long parade route. People camp out on the streets for a night or two beforehand. They set up bleachers along the street. They sell tickets. And they have all of these floats that are in the parade are made out of stuff that you could probably find in a garden somewhere, things like that. It's all plant-based materials and stuff like that. It is amazing. It's an incredible parade. And a long time ago in Jerusalem, on this day, there was a parade that happened. I don't know. It's, it's not like a holiday that we have here. It's, it's kind of like a mashup of what we would be celebrating for like 4th of July and the Rose Parade, but everybody shows up in Washington, D.C. for this thing all at the same time. It was this national, national holiday where they were celebrating the fact that they were released from being slaves in Egypt a long, 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 long time ago. But everybody showed up in Jerusalem all at the same time for this celebration. It's a whole week-long thing. And everybody gets excited about this every year. It's like a week-long camping trip on the mall in Washington, D.C. with a parade and everything like that. Everybody all shows up. Everybody's there. All your neighbors, everybody's gotten on a train or a plane or a car to get there. And everybody's together there for this whole week of celebrating the fact that God did something amazing a long time ago and set, them, set these people free from being slaves. It's a, pretty in, it's a pretty incredible, incredible time to be together. Well, Jesus is approaching Jerusalem with his disciples. They didn't really plan this ahead of time. That we, that we know of in the, from, from reading the scriptures. But the crowds knew that Jesus was coming. And the crowds have been watching Jesus for a while now. They've seen him do some pretty incredible stuff. They've seen tons of people get fed from just one kid's picnic lunch. They've seen people raised from the dead. They've seen 
demon-possessed people be freed from their oppression. They've seen him do some incredible, incredible things, and they're really excited. They're, they're expecting something. They're expecting something. But it doesn't quite happen the way they expect it to happen. Now, all four of the stories that record uh, Jesus' life and ministry have this story of what most Bibles say something across the top, triumphal entry or something like that in there, where Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. All four stories uh, record this particular event. Some of the different Gospels, uh, some of those different stories record a few different things right before and right after, but all four of them share this, and there's one other bit of information in this story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem that all four of these Gospels share, that all four of them record, and it is such a weird little piece of information. I don't really understand why they decided to record this piece of information. And it's about what Jesus rode, how he got into the city. All four of the Gospels talk about a donkey in this parade into town. Does that not sound a little strange? Why they would, all four guys are telling the same story, and all four of them decide to describe Jesus' mode of transportation into town. I don't know if this were, I read Bible story, when I read Bible stories, I like to try and imagine what it would be like if it happened now, or what it would be like if it were in a movie that was, uh, that was set during uh, modern times. And I imagine, like, if this, were, if this were a parade coming into Lincoln or if this was this massive holiday, everybody's showing up in Washington, D.C., and it was happening then, it would be like these, all of these newspapers recording what kind of car Jesus drove into town on. It seems like a weird bit of information, but it gets even stranger than that because in Jerusalem, what Jesus says is, hey, we're, he we're heading into town, I'm paraphrasing here, we're heading to town. Up ahead in the village ahead of you, you're going to find a donkey and its colt. I want you to untie the colt, or untie the donkey, and uh, bring, it, bring it to me because that's what I'm going to ride into town on. And if anybody says to you, uh, why are you untying the donkey? Uh, just tell them the master needs it or the teacher needs it, and uh, that'll be okay. Well, uh, that would be really, really awkward for me if I was one of the disciples to have Jesus tell me, I want you to go ahead into town and uh, steal a donkey from out in front of this one house and bring it to me. And if someone tries to stop you, just say, uh, Jesus told me to do it. Uh, the teacher needs it. And it'll be okay. I just imagine, like, if that, was a, if that was a movie now, it would be like Jesus saying, all right, as we drive up into town, as we walk up into town, over there on 5th Street, there's going to be a 73 gremlin fit sitting in, in the front yard there, and I want you to go hotwire the car, and if somebody comes out and says, what are you doing? Say, uh, the master needs it, and they're going to say, all right, go ahead and take it. That's, that'd be fine. Because who really needs a 73 gremlin in their front yard anyway? Really bizarre. Why would they record that little hunk of information in this, in this story? Well, there's probably some really great explanation. The biggest one is there was a prophecy that was getting fulfilled in all of this. But I just thought that was one of the weirdest bits of information um, along the way going uh, through this. So 
they hotwire the donkey, and, and Jesus is coming into town, and, um, and people start going bananas. So they're taking branches off of trees like this, and they're taking their cloaks off, and they're covering the road as Jesus is coming in. And they're shouting stuff. They're shouting, Hosanna, which Stephanie just explained a moment ago. They're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and blessed is the coming of the kingdom of our father David. They're, and, but they're like crazy fourth quarter football, we're about to win the game, the championship kind of screaming that you've seen um, on television or, or been to at a college game or a, or a rival game at a, at a high school, something like that. Everybody's on their feet. They're screaming. They're shouting. They're, they're, they, don't have, they didn't have red carpets at this point, but they're, they're essentially laying out the red carpet for Jesus to come into town on. And they're, they're, they're excited for a reason. They think, they think something incredible is going to happen. They think something incredible is going to happen. Now, they are under the control of the Romans at this point. The Romans are really, really hard on them. And they think, they think that Jesus is showing up because he's been using this kingdom word a lot. They think Jesus is showing up and he's going to finally kick the Romans out, reestablish the, the kingdom of Israel, and things are going to be like they were in the good old days when, David was, uh, when King David was around. Their most famous king ever. Their most famous king ever. So people are are super excited about this and they're shouting and they're screaming and there's a group of people that, that tell Jesus, you have got to quiet this down. You have got to tell your disciples to be quiet. This is going to get us into trouble. And these are the people that were kind of running the thing, running things from, for the temple and for the, the leaders of the nation of Israel these folks were scared because basically what was happening was like this Occupy Jerusalem thing was happening and they were thinking that uh, some sort of revolution was going to be started and Rome was going to have to drop the hammer and squash this. And it was going to be bad news for everybody. So they tell, Je they tell Jesus to tell his disciples to be quiet. This is not a good idea. You've got to tone down the rhetoric here a little bit, or we're all going to get in a lot of trouble. And Jesus tells them, if these, if these people be quiet right now, if they stay silent, even the rocks on the ground around us will cry out. Something's got to be said right now. Something has to declare what is happening right now. And in Luke... We don't, uh, Luke records a little, another interesting bit of, of information that is not in any of the other three stories. There's only a few times that in the, in the, in the stories of Jesus' life and ministry that we, that we see him, that we get a description of him crying. When uh, Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus was one of them, and this is one of the other ones. So Jesus is riding into town this huge parade. Everybody is celebrating. They're on their feet. They're throwing their clothes and the branches down into the street. 
It's a huge celebration. And yet Luke says, Jesus starts crying. And he's crying for a very particular reason. He's crying because they don't get it. They don't understand what's really happening. Everybody's excited and expecting this one thing to be happening. Finally, things are going to change. Things are going to get better. We're going to get out from under the oppression of Rome. Jesus is going to do this thing that we've been waiting for for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Because he's using this kingdom talk. He's using this talk about a king and a kingdom. And in their minds, they had one thing that they were thinking. They were expecting, they had an expectation of what that would look like. But that was not what Jesus had in mind. It was something very different. It looked very different. And the difference between the two expectations of what was going on was so great that it drove Jesus to tears. He said, I wish you guys understood what was really happening. It breaks my heart that you don't understand what's really happening right now. And so Jesus enters into town. The crowd is hungry. They are so hungry for more. They've seen Jesus do stuff. They're ready for, they're ready for action. Everybody's here. We got the whole, we've got all the people in the nation are here. Now is the time to make something happen. Now is the time to strike. Now is the time to put this plan in motion. They're ready. But the word that they were, the, what they had in their mind about the kingdom of God was very different from what Jesus had in mind when he was talking about the kingdom of God. They're using the same word, but they were, had two totally different meanings. How many times have you had a conversation with someone, and you were both saying the same words, but their word, you were not on the same page at all? And the conflict that arises from that is, can be pretty amazing. We're speaking the same language, but we are not saying the same thing. That's exactly what was happening. And so the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the rulers of Israel at the time, they were super scared that Rome was going to have to drop the hammer and crush this rebellion. And so today is, a, is a, also a day of expectation. We kind of know, we know what's coming throughout this week, and we know what's coming for next Sunday. We have the advantage of being able to look backwards. But how many times, we don't really say these out loud, but we all have expectations for what we think Jesus should be doing in my life, in our nation, in the world. We might not articulate them, but we've all, we've all, got, we've all got expectations. And I know that because how many times have we gotten angry at God because things didn't work out the way we expected them to or the way we had planned. So today and throughout this week, maybe it would be a really good idea to take some time to think about what do I expect from Jesus? What am I expecting from him? What am I banking on that he's going to do? 
And then maybe even ask a little bit more difficult question. Will we be willing to continue to follow even when he doesn't meet our expectations? When things don't go the way we plan them to? When God doesn't seem to keep up his end of the bargain? We may be using the same words, but somehow we're not on the same page. Will we obey even when we can't fully explain what it is that we think Jesus is doing? So I think that it's really easy to get be uh, hard on the disciples. Man, if I'd been hanging out with Jesus for three years, I would have seen all of this. These bunch of knucklehead, redneck fishermen from Galilee couldn't figure out what was going on. I would have seen the whole thing. Uh, probably not. We'd have been sitting there just like the rest of them, not understanding what was going on and only getting the light bulb after the fact and after, having G after Jesus had, had to like physically sit down and talk you through the whole thing on the road to Emmaus as we were leaving town. So what do we expect from Jesus? Honestly, what do we expect? And then secondly, will we be willing to follow, to hang out, to do what he says, even when it doesn't pan out the way we thought he said it was going to, or we didn't understand? Stand up with me real quick, please. We're going to take a few minutes now and spend some time together in the passing of the peace. Food's over that direction. Normally, it's, I mean, it's at least on the same side of the building as it would be if it was on the inside, so it'll be easy to find. But we're going to take some time to extend the peace of Christ to those that are around us today. And as we are wrapping things up um, this morning, <clears throat> I pray, that, uh, my hope is that there really would be a sense of excitement and expectation because we do know how the story plays out this week. It's not a fun one all the way, the way through, but we do, know, we do know the end. And as you go through this week, um, my hope would be that you're able to progress, walk this same story as the disciples did through this descent into darkness on, on Friday and then eruption into joy again this next Sunday. So may the peace of Christ be with you. All right, we'll meet back in a few minutes, okay?